Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. 14 minutes after 10 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been 80 days to the mark since uh, the October the 7th when a war between Israel and Palestine had heightened. It had been ongoing all along. It didn't start then, but it certainly heightened. And what is the latest onslaught of that has been lasting for 80 days now. 80 days. I want you to imagine what the last 80 days have been for yourself and then compare that to Palestinians who entire family bloodlines may have been wiped out. But it's, 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 it's one that we sort of have to ask ourselves, how does it come to an end, right? We, we have to ask the question, how does this come to an end? Seemingly, Israeli, Palestinian, and Egyptian, Qatari, and United States of America officials are all asking themselves that question, or at least are trying to negotiate in that direction. A new ceasefire deal is being negotiated at the moment, one that seeks to establish a permanent ceasefire. Um, Palestinian Hamas officials in Palestine, who were part, participating in these negotiations in Egypt, seemingly are endorsing this agreement, but the Israeli government is not quite in favor of the agreement. It's one that is protracted that, once again, is predicated on the exchange of, 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 of prisoners, both uh, women and children on the other hand and soldiers on the other hand. Um, and that seems to be something that both parties are agreeing to. Uh, but it is the ceasefire, the permanent ceasefire, that's seemingly what, uh, contentious between that. Uh, Naeem Jinnah, who is of the uh, Mapungubwe Institute, is with us. Naeem, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome to Night Talk. Um, from, from the ongoing negotiations currently underway in Egypt, um, why does it seem like a permanent ceasefire is contentious here? Well, mainly because Israel doesn't want a permanent ceasefire. Israel, uh, up to this point, 80 days after um, uh, after the 7th of October, Israel has not achieved any of its uh, objectives that it had for the onslaught on Gaza, and um, and in the process has um, has created more death and destruction in Gaza than in any war within a comparable period in the past uh, more than a century. Um, they, they've not managed to, through their military activities, they've not managed to free any of the captives. They've not managed to destroy Hamas as they said they would do. They've not managed to disarm uh, the Gaza Strip as they would do. So from a military perspective, they've achieved none of their objectives, and they want to continue trying, basically, uh, even if that means destroying uh, everything in Gaza. Secondly, that it seemed that the objective from the beginning, um, and Netanyahu echoed this uh, today when he spoke to the Likud party, was to get rid of uh, all the Palestinians from Gaza. I mean, he said today uh, to the Likud party, that he is still trying to find countries around the world that would accept Palestinians from Gaza as refugees. Um, so, you know, the, the idea is to keep destroying as much as possible until Palestinians feel the need to leave. Um, and thirdly, it's a very personal so, thing. So, so can I just pause Netanyahu. you there quickly, uh, Naeem? Yeah. How, how did Netanyahu move from wanting to get rid of uh, uh, you know, firstly, members of Hamas to now moving to wanting to get rid of all Palestinians in terms of in terms of displacement and relocation. 
Well, I mean, this is not new, of course. This is uh, what he and others in his uh, in his cabinet have been saying from the first week. Uh, so you might remember that uh, at, at the very beginning, they tried to convince the Egyptians that they would uh, basically, basically drive 2.3 million Gazans into the Sinai Desert, which is part of Egypt, uh, and the Egyptians refused. So it has been uh, an objective for them from the beginning. Then when the when Palestinians basically were saying we're not going anywhere, we, you know, uh, even when they cleared out the north, uh, many of the Palestinians who were cleared uh, from there went back to their homes, which were destroyed, and said, you know, they'd rather die at home than anywhere else. Um, so, uh, so th- that was the intention in a sense from the beginning. They're now trying to find other ways of doing it. If Egypt is not going to accept them, they want to disperse. Uh, Palestinians from Gaza all around the world. That seems to be the idea, which, of course, under international law is a war crime. It's uh, it's ethnic cleansing, etc. But I doubt that the Israelis care too much about that right now. And I was saying that the final point is that for Netanyahu, um, he believes that the longer the war goes on, the longer he doesn't have to answer to the court for all the charges of corruption, etc., against him, uh, and maybe save his, his political career. I, I doubt that that's going to happen. But if he prolongs the war, he uh, delays his court case. Yeah, and, and, and so there, there, there at least there's a political incentive for him for, for the war to be ongoing. Um, and a permanent ceasefire would bring that to an end. Um, so what now? Given that there's a recalcitrance on part of uh, Hamas and parts of the Israeli to uh, Israel to end end the war. Um, how then does the international community negotiate a, a cease a permanent ceasefire, especially given that it's been conducted by external parties such as Egypt and the Qataris? And the one thing is that the notion of the international community has now become a joke, because the general UN General Assembly, you know, 153 nations voted for a ceasefire, four voted against. And um, that's the international community, but that means nothing as long as the United States is able to veto resolutions in the Security Council, which is con- which it continues to do. Um, so the issue, uh, I think, there's there's two things, uh, two possibilities. One is that the United States, uh, the White House, you know, finally comes to its senses and agrees that uh, this is now too much and uh, Israel needs to be stopped. Um, that's the one. Uh, that's the one possible route that can lead to an end to this. And the second thing is that there is sufficient. Uh, well, both together, really. The second thing is that there is sufficient pressure within Israel against uh, uh, against Netanyahu and his government that could uh, possibly even bring down the government, uh, even while the war is on. Um, that we're seeing, you know, even with Netanyahu's speech today. Families of the captives have been protesting, etc. Um, so I think that uh, you know, at the moment, these seem like the two uh, only possibilities. If the United States does not uh, change its position, then unfortunately, it, it seems that uh, the, the genocide in Gaza will continue. I want to continue the conversation on the other side of this, but let's take a break. Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm in conversation with Naeem Jina, senior researcher at the Mapunguwe Institute, and we're speaking about the ongoing negotiations between uh, Israel and Palestine currently underway in, 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 in Cairo. 
Naeem, before we went to the break there, you said really what, what, re- what is required here is for the United States to come to its senses. But it seems to me that there is a movement in that direction. Joe Biden quite recently made the point and made the case, as it was reported, that he thinks Netanyahu is losing public support in the way he's conducting this uh, uh, this war and that he needs to br- bring an end to it. So even Joe Biden seems to be losing somewhat patience uh, for, for, for Benjamin Netanyahu's approach to this. Um, and, 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 and that seems to be a powerful signal because if Israel loses the support of the United States, they lose a very important strategic resource partner in this and they may not be able to on their own sustain this war for too long, especially... If 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 uh, if Israel if Palestine is is able to support more goodwill from 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 the Middle East, uh, yes, I mean uh, theoretically you 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 correct. If without the United States support, Israel is not able to prosecute this war. Um, you know, it's it's just the war itself. The the war cost is about two hundred fifty million dollars a day. That's uh, apart from the huge knocks that the Israeli economy is taking. And it won't be able to withstand that without American support. The American uh, side, however, I mean, the kinds of things that uh, that you quoted Biden as saying, he's been saying similar things for weeks. Um, that, uh, you know, we've, we've told the Israelis that there shouldn't be too many civilian casualties, blah, blah, blah. But not willing to do anything to uh, to to bring Israel to heel, to to force Israel to abide by those things that it says uh, that that he says that he has told them, and as long as that continues, I mean uh, the, the Israelis are interpreting that as a blank check, um, and so uh, Blinken or Biden makes a statement uh, saying that you know Israel should not do this, that, and the other, uh, and a few hours later Netanyahu instructs that Israel does exactly that. So the point that we're reaching in the United States now is where Biden has to consider very carefully whether he's more committed to uh, his Zionism, and he said that himself that he's a Zionist, uh, or whether he's concerned about the elections coming up. Because in the elections coming up, uh, according to recent polls, um, there are more, there's a majority in the Democratic Party base that is pro-Palestinian now than those that are pro-Israeli. And I think that um, that as that realization dawns, that there might be a change of attitude uh, in the White House. I don't want us to digress but, uh, too far off the point here, but perhaps it is important to, to, to ask this question, which seemingly parenthetical, but somewhat important. Does the fact that Biden is going into a primary race right now play a role in that? Yes. So, so, so that, that's my point that uh, in his own party, in the Democratic Party, there's a, there's a, the majority is pro-Palestinian now. Uh, in fact, uh, I think it was Thomas Friedman, who is uh, very pro-Israeli himself, who said in a recent article, he be the last pro-Israeli Democratic president. Um, and so Biden has to uh, really consider what that means. If he doesn't now put more pressure on Israel, uh, will he lose his own base? in the election. Yeah, yeah. And it seems that that's a possibility, if it is true, statistically at least, that there's a sentimental Hello. shift amongst uh, Palestine, amongst uh, Democrats in the Israel, in the party. Yeah, it seems like we've lost uh, Naeem over there. We're going to try and reconnect with him. I'm taking your reactions to this. Give me a call, 86 
I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Look, it seems to me at least that, uh, I, I, I hope we have you back, Naeem. Yes, it seems to me that if Israel is, is insistent that they will not buy into a permanent ceasefire deal, that Hamas will have no choice but to continue uh, in, in, in combat. Uh, Hamas itself is stripped out of resources, um, and the only way they would be able to continue this is through the support uh, of Hezbollah um, and other sympathetic parties that are able to somehow get resources to them, which seems to be near impossible at this moment. What left is Hamas uh, to do at this moment separately, and what left is Palestinians to do at this moment? Well, what is clear, Oliver, and I have to disagree with you there, is that the resistance in Gaza, Hamas in particular, but the other groups as well, that they haven't uh, come close to exhausting their the, uh, material, the military resources. Um, they've still got huge stocks of rockets, ammunition, etc., and they are exacting quite serious, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, quite serious casualties and fatalities on the Israeli side. On, on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, and numbers of soldiers, um, hundreds of soldiers that have been killed, at least hundreds, um, thousands that have been wounded and, and disabled, etc., on the Israeli side. And uh, Palestinians believe that despite uh, the fact that uh, more than 20,000 people have already been killed, civilians uh, mostly, um, 70% of them women and children, Gaza almost totally destroyed, that nevertheless, time is on their side. Um, so I don't think that we're going to see from the Hamas side uh, them accepting anything less than a ceasefire because they believe that they can continue until a ceasefire. Yeah, and, and, and to the effect that they have to continue, it means that there will be ongoing casualties in Palestine. Yeah. To, to, to And, you know, you may well say, look, Hamas has resources, they've got military stockpiles and all that may be. But what is quite clear is that the Israeli Defense Force is is, is a lot more powerful than Hamas and is a lot more able to exert uh, serious damage. Um, and if that continues, um, it means that uh, the, what will be the case is an ongoing genocide in Palestine. Can you conceive of a possibility where Israel is serious about its intentions to wipe out uh, uh, what what is left of of of, of Gaza, uh, and that there's a complete uh, or completion of what would have been a, a complete genocide of Palestinians, in at least in Gaza. Well, from statements and comments from uh, Israel's military leaders and its uh, members of its cabinet, that is the intention. Uh, they haven't succeeded yet, but that is the intention. And and you're correct. I mean, there, there's no comparison between the resources of the resistance in Gaza and the Israeli uh, army. And that's why I'm saying, you know, if, if things continue on the current trajectory, if the, the Gaza resistance uh, um, makes the kinds of gains on the battlefield as they do, but together with the internal pressure in Israel and the United States uh, having a, a change of mind, um, that's the only way that, that things will change. Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there. Naeem, thank you so much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate it. Naeem Gina, Senior Researcher at the Mapungubwe Institute for Strategic Reflection, Mistra. We're going to take a break. On the other side of this, we continue the conversation. I'm taking your reactions. Give me a call, 86 
203 That's the number to dial.